My name is Harrison Wheeler, and this is Technically Speaking. This show is produced in collaboration with Studio Pod Media. For information on our episodes, articles, and professional community, head to technicallyspeakinghw.com today. Hey, everybody. My name is Harrison Wheeler, and welcome to another episode of Technically Speaking. Today, my guest is Monique Ray, who is an amazing illustrator and motion designer. We're excited to have a talk and have you on the show today. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. How are things going for you? Like, you got some really nice vibes for people that are tuned in on the audio. You've got a nice plant in the background. Yeah. You got some good lighting going through. <laughs> like, what are the vibes today? Let us know what's going on. No, it's good. Things are, have been really great, actually, just life wise and career wise over the last two years. Just had beautiful opportunities and have been seeing growth in, in my practice that I couldn't have expected or foreseen. So it's just been all positive, mostly positive. We are in a pandemic. <laughs> There's that, right? <laughs> we love, no, I'm saying we love, we love to celebrate the wins and we're going to get into some of this a little bit later in the episode, but I wanted to start out with a few icebreakers. These are always fun ways to get to know our guests and ease into to some of the questions that we'll be talking about a little bit later. But to start off, on the theme of illustration and animation, what's one of your favorite animated series, movies, or shorts? Yeah, that's a tough question to answer. There's so many. My immediate answer is The Incredibles, just because of the impact that I had on my life. I don't think I would be, honestly, where I am right now if it weren't for The Incredibles, because that was kind of what triggered me to go to school for computer animation, which that pathway was kind of for me to eventually work in 3D films, you know, and work at like a Pixar, which didn't happen, which is okay, but it still kind of led that, started that sort of journey for me. So Incredible still sticks with me. And I think it's still a beautiful film and love Brad Bird. But kind of when I'm thinking about lifelong impact and just the stuff I loved as a kid, I was a big anime nerd and manga nerd and loved Cowboy Bebop. I don't know what they did to Cowboy Bebop. I loved like Sunday Strips. Calvin and Hobbes was a big of deal course. for me. I mean, that's the quintessential. Yeah, Calvin yeah. and Hobbes was a big <laughs> deal. I used to do like Calvin and Hobbes, like fan narratives, like create these. I was a big old nerd as a kid. And Boondocks was also impactful to me because I see Aaron Magruder, who had started this IP, this thing that now lives in so many different mediums. It lives in print. It lives in obviously the cartoon and this is his creation. And he wasn't, a youngish guy when he started out doing it. And so that was really inspirational. I love the strip, but I also love the story of it. And that was kind of, you know, we talk about representation. It helped me kind of see that there's like a path as an artist for Black creatives. So those are pretty impactful for me. But yeah, I loved all sorts of, that was my life growing up. Still kind of my life. I still watch cartoons. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's amazing how, how some of those things kind of make that lifelong impact. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I, I can remember the first kind of cartoon like I, I drew and it was from, it was from a Marvel book. This is before like, you know, all the Avengers stuff. Yeah. It was a scholastic book fair. Oh yeah, I remember and those. And <laughs> they had like these how to draw like Marvel characters. 
And <laughs> and that was like my first experience kind of drawing. And then I actually know I the think book I started you're talking getting, about. I own that book and was obsessed with it's that a, book. It's, it's, it's a dope <laughs> it's book. It's an amazing book. <laughs> I feel like it's still yeah. like uh, a essential reading if you, you want to be an artist and especially work in that space to grab that book. It's definitely foundational for sure. Absolutely. It's funny you say that. I have this book that I keep around just because of that foundational impact, this, this drawing cartoons book. It was one that I got from a scholastic book fair. And it was like one, the of, book fair. one of those books that I just kept reading and kept like, all right, this is how you draw faces. This is how you create a 3D image. This is how you make characters. So yeah, that stuff is definitely super important for sure. But yeah, I loved all sorts of cartoons growing up. All of them. All of them. A lot of them weren't really for kids, to tell you the truth. <laughs> my, my parents. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we were growing up watching Boondocks. Yeah. But that ain't for kids. The level of, of satire in that, I'm like, <laughs> all that went over my head Honestly, when I too, was talking I even about think it in high about school. Reading the strip, like even Calvin and Hobbes, like a lot of that stuff was completely over my head. But I think certain kids love that sort of content. You know, they don't want to be pandered to. They want to read something where they kind of got to figure it out and and dig a little deeper and like, what does this mean? Mom, what does this mean? You know? (laughs) So I love that sort of stuff growing up for sure. All right. Next question. Give us a little peek into how you work. Like, what does your setup look like? I'm super curious. So my setup is, so I have this big monitor right here that I use for previewing stuff. Right now, I'm, I'm working on a, a MacBook Pro. Usually, I, I tend to lean towards having a laptop just so I can like take my work anywhere, wherever I want. Um, and then I have this Cintiq that was one of, I think, the best additions to my studio. I use this every day, and it's essentially just a giant screen that you can draw on. And a bulk of my work comes from there. But I also have uh, which I think is behind me. I uh, know it's actually in another room, but I have this Wacom Mobile Studio Pro, which is like a mini Cintiq, but also a computer. So you can take that wherever you want to go and use whatever apps. And then I also have an iPad Pro, which I haven't been using as much lately you're, for production. You're, you're cringing. Like I, I saw the fate. Like you're not an, you're not a big fan of drawing on the iPad. I know. I actually think the tech is beautiful. It's wonderful tech. What kills me is that I use certain apps and you know it can be limiting procreate's beautiful it's amazing i i get why people love it and in some capacity i love it as well but i'm used to using apps for animation to have robust timeline features and all these things you know what i mean so it can kind of be limiting if you're doing something larger than a gif you can make it happen people are doing like crazy work in procreate like it's certainly possible but it feels limiting to me when i think about stuff that I'm used to, like TV paint and Clip Studio paint I've been using a lot and another app that is great, Toon Boom Harmony. Like that stuff is like production animation software. So for me, the iPad is is awesome. And then also the file system. Like sometimes I'll save something and it don't get saved. And like in production, you don't have time for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it doesn't interact yeah. well with Dropbox. So a lot of the reason I don't love it is really not the hardware. It's just the compatibility of the software that I use. In a dream world, if I could have an iPad that could run all the stuff that I want to run, that would like be amazing, obviously, right? Because it's really light form factor, which I tried a Surface Pro, but I don't love the pen tech. It's not iPad level yet. 
unfortunately. Seems like everyone has like bits and pieces of things that work, yeah. but not all of them. Exactly. Yeah. I think when it comes to pen tech, we're talking about digital art. I think Wacom and Apple are head to head. And then for me, Wacom just wins out because you can put Cinema 4D on it. You know, you can put all of the apps that you use on it. You don't have to worry about completely rebuilding how you make stuff. (laughs) Right, exactly. And and that's that's also difficult, right? I mean, that's that's a lot of time to have to learn (laughs) and your quality of your work might go down because you're too busy trying to be like an IT tech on your own equipment. For sure. And it's definitely like something I spent some time like playing around with because I would love that. I would love if I could use my iPad all the time, you know, but it's like you said, it just, I don't think it's there yet app wise, but people, if, if I was just starting out and I wasn't like, so like in the apps that I use right now and more open, not that I'm not open, I'm learning new stuff every day, but I kind of have the way that I do things established. If that wasn't a thing, then I may be a person that only used an iPad because that is all I know. It's hard for me to abandon the way I do things to just do everything on the iPad. It's, it's real hard. So I love it. I hope it comes around. I don't know. If they put like Mac OS on the iPad, I don't think they will. But that would be really cool. Wishful thinking. It for wishful sure. Thinking. Very wishful thinking. You've been thinking. talking about this for like a decade. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's kind of get into you. I want to get into you. Maybe give the listeners a bit of a background about yourself, how you got started. I know we talked about that super briefly, but yeah, also kind of paint a picture of like, what are some of the challenges that you had coming up and what did it take to get to where you are now? <laughs> a lot of challenges. <laughs> <laughs> There's kind of always going to be sort of inherent challenge when you come into a space where you're a minority, where it's it overwhelmingly white male led. They're not used to seeing someone like you in that space. So there's that inherent challenge. That's kind of been something I've experienced really my entire life, honestly, because I've always wanted to be an artist and I've always kind of proclaimed that I would be an artist, (laughs) which I'm really grateful that my family was super supportive of that. And I think that is a lot of the reason why I'm here too, because regardless of what the world was telling me, my mom was like, Mo, you're going to be an artist. That's it. <laughs> you know, my sister, my dad, they were super supportive of me. But um, yeah, growing up, I had experiences where people told me I couldn't do what I'm doing. And then you enter the industry and then you really have the same experience, you know. So it's kind of a lot of the reason why I established my practice, honestly, because for me, there's nothing else that I want to be doing. This is it. I have no plan B. <laughs> there's no alternative. This is it. You started your practice about four years ago, right? Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about that. And before that, I was freelancing too. And my practice is really just an extension of that. And it came off the heels of me just not being happy with the workplace experience, feeling like there's more going on here than me just needing to be good at what I do. <laughs> be right. someone that's Right. Like, can I just do my, my thing? Yeah, right? Like, yeah. There, there are things that are out of my control here, and I don't have time. I just want to make cool stuff and work with people who want to work with me. I just felt all of that and glass ceiling and just was like, hey, I can hop around between places and kind of find a place that isn't like that. Cause I do bl- believe those places do exist. Or, but that's kind of felt like rolling a dice for me, you know, or I can just kind of 
I, I've always had kind of this entrepreneurial spirit. A lot of that comes from my parents. My parents themselves always had businesses. Growing up, seeing that, it helped me kind of frame like, I can also have my own business, you know, even though it's not at all in the capacity of sort of work that they did, still kind of, you need to be a business person to have a, a creative practice like this. And just thinking of what they did and, and how they did it. Was that in Florida where they were kind of doing their thing? or? Yeah, this is in Miami. And it's funny, when I was thinking about doing it, I had this conversation with my dad. And I was just talking to him and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure if I should do this or if I should go full time again at some place. He's like, Mo, but you've been doing it. You've already been doing it. And he's, he was so right. I've been like moonlighting and whenever I'd be in between gigs, I'd freelance. So he's like, you already have the foundation. You just need to grow on it. It's not as difficult as you're making it seem. So yeah, they, they encouraged me to do it. And I took the leap and going back to your beginning question of this sort of challenge, it's interesting because now operating the way that I do, there's still clients that may not want to work with me, right? Because they come to my side, it's super black art, <laughs> you know? Right, this right. is who I am and I'm, I don't try to curb it at all. But on the flip side, I think it's put me closer to clients that don't care about that stuff or embrace it. And it's allowed me to be able to really lean into that sort of work and not have to like do the stuff that maybe isn't so close to me, you know, or close to my heart or I'm not as passionate about. So it's created, I think, an environment where I not only get to fully be myself, but also do work that reflects that. It was a journey, though. It wasn't like I quit and that was the sort of work I was doing. <laughs> it was it was a, a minute. And I think that also had to do with self-discovery. But um, Would you say it was more of an introspective journey than necessarily the journey behind just like starting a business? Mm, yeah, I think it was a mixture of both. Honestly, because there's obviously sort of the introspective stuff of like, what do I do? What is, I hate words like this brand and all this, but I guess that's how you have to think about your practice. You know, what is, who are the sort of clients I want to be working with? And, you know, even on like a deeper level than just like, what's my style, which was also something I was exploring. Who is this work for? You know, why me? All these sort of deep questions you got to ask yourself so you don't kind of get stuck but then there's also sort of the business stuff of like just being a business person <laughs> logistic stuff like <laughs> what questions to ask a client <laughs> what's a good budget like the budget thing I always I really feel like I've only got comfortable with like the budget question maybe like two years ago maybe yeah you mean asking somebody what their budget is not just asking but also feeling informed enough where I'm like that's a good call they or give not. me a number I can say all right that's a good number this is why we need more this is what we can do like just maneuvering that question in general it took me a minute and the internet isn't super helpful because it's like what's a good budget don't google oh that my God. That's like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know I so I'd love to know where you're thinking is with this, but I've always sort of, because I used to freelance myself and I always used to say the first number that you come up with is just like the cost of goods. There's no profit in that first number and you need to embrace the value that you're bringing. And so what do you put on top of that? Right? Yeah, absolutely. And then there's a lot of obviously even just like the upkeep of running a business. So going and seeing a general number on the internet ain't really going to help you out. It's, it's central to your own operation, right? 
Yes. And it's not considering, like you're saying, all of the sort of unique factors of all of it. Like, where are you living? What's your cost of living? What is this project? Like, are you connected to this work? Are you connected to these people? You know, for me, I realized just even just asking the budget is such a simple way of just Sometimes for a lot of creatives, you would have given them a, a, a estimate that might have been much lower than what their budget even is. <laughs> so that just cuts out a lot of like all of that stuff for you, you know, just asking that question. But yeah, there's so many things that factor into that. It's so difficult to just get like an answer from the internet. And it's been helpful to me to just have mentors too, that I can kind of, hey, this is the scenario. What is that a good budget? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just to get some kind of like help with that. But now I'm like at a place where I feel just uber grateful to be feeling uber comfortable with because that sometimes would take speaking about just growth so much of my day, just the admin aspect of it, like figuring out what does this cost and let me Google and then I don't know. And then I pull out this book and then just like this rabbit hole <laughs> that I dive into. So. Now it's not so difficult. I kind of just pull a number and, and think about it for a little bit and ask them what their budget is too. I usually meet in the middle somewhere, typically. So I want to go back to a statement that you made yeah. around your style. What is your style and how has it evolved over time? Sure. Yeah. What is my style? I think it's definitely um, reflective of my roots. You know, I'm a Jamaican heritage and my family's. I'm born and raised in Miami, but my family's Jamaican. And just thinking about the bright colors that I saw growing up and my experience living in Miami and just the diversity and the people and the food and the music. I think that is definitely, when we think about aesthetic, kind of the first thing that I'm, I'm leaning into. But I'm also like pulling from all the stuff that I loved growing up, the cartoons I loved and like Tintin. I, I had this period where I was like obsessed. I didn't realize it was all coming from the same sort of lane of with French comics, just kind of the way they kind of approach the way they render stuff, the bold lines that they use. And I love that look and have been leaning into that and just kind of also just leaning into like how I draw as weird as that sounds. You know, I think there's a period where I was working in motion design where because this is the industry, but there's a vector quality that sometimes we lean into that is so shape-driven that it just almost pulls the person who's created its fingerprint totally away from it. You know what I mean? It's almost right. so digitally that you're yeah. like, who made this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's like grid, grid lines can only go so far before right. exactly. it starts to build machine-created. And I kind of just became obsessed with just leaving even when I create that sort of work I still sketch it out but I kind of became obsessed with just drawing it more and leaving the way it's been drawn alone and I think that kind of also create an aesthetic for me that people could recognize more because it was, had more distinction to it even though all my work is digital it still had the inception of it was still my own creation if that makes sense like what was the moment that you embraced it I think through my personal work honestly there's a series that I did, I don't even know how long ago this is now, of uh, just Black women that I love. Audre Lorde was one of them. Nina Simone was one of them. Flo Jo was another one. And I just said, like, draw the way you draw. 
you know, this is a personal project, make what you want to make and do it how you want to make it. And, and I just was kind of inherently just leaning into that sort of style and people were like responding to it. I think also just because of the content of the work, I read up on all these women, even if I knew them, I wanted to kind of be familiar with them on a deeper level and write in the comments or the, the posts kind of a blurb about them. And, um, yeah, I think that was kind of a moment where I was really leaning into my style and understanding it more and playing around with it more. But yeah, personal work, that's, I think, where you do a lot of that exploration. And it's important to make time for that exploration. Is that something that even now, like with your studio, you say, hey, I'm going to dedicate this amount of time to personal work? What does that look like for you? I imagine... High in the sky. I imagine <laughs> it's, it's a part of just like your daily routine in some way, right? Yeah, actually it is. Yeah, I, I would say that's what I use the iPad for a lot is just drawing for fun. I use it kind of like as a sketchbook to explore those ideas or just like draw, not even think about exploring anything, just draw, you know? But it has become more difficult lately to make the space for the personal work because, you know, is so much going on, so much work happening and like life happening <laughs> that it's, it's hard to make the space. But um, yeah, I was actually just talking to someone about this. That's why I had that reaction of saying like, I need to like make the space very soon for a personal project. What's up everybody, it's Harrison again. I'm sure if you haven't heard by now, I just released the Technically Speaking Product Design Glossary. It's 118 need-to-know terms centered around the ins and out of user experience design. The best part about it is that it's a free download. Head on over to technicallyspeakinghw.com or our Instagram for more information. So look, I want you to talk your shit right now. You started small studios. Yeah. It's called small studios. It's called it's okay. just, small. Started, just small. It's just small. It's just small. Studios. I'm one of those people. Okay. We'll get rid of I studios. chose a it's word small. And, and called yeah, it's small. That's it. It's, it's small. Okay. I love that. You started it what three years ago. Mm-hmm. Take us through the type of work that you do. What has the growth looked like for you? Yeah, it's been interesting. It it started really out being predominantly tech clients, mostly just because my network, which I'm grateful for, my network was a lot of tech folks. And when I took the leap and kind of made the announcement and and shared to everyone that I was doing this, a lot of my network was my tech people. So they connected with me and I was able to do some awesome projects starting out. And then kind of, for me, I was kind of looking at it in stages. The first year I just wanted to know, is this viable? (laughs) Can I do this and like make a living? Can this work? So in that case, I'm not really saying no to a whole lot. And honestly, it wasn't like still proud of that work that I did that first year. And then kind of the second year was more of me kind of reevaluating what sort of projects do I want to do. And I think that's why I went so hard with personal work to do that discovery. And yeah, I have been fortunate to work with all sorts of brands in tech, Apple, Google. I just did a Google Doodle that was really amazing. amazing, which was for me like bucket list. Like I said, maybe like eight years ago now, which is kind of blowing my mind. Like I want to do a Google, Google Doodle in in our Miami yeah. apartment. Did you, did you did you ever work with Angelica at all on that? Or? Yeah, no, that's my old 
Tommy. Yeah, that's who I work oh, with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, so she's on the first season. I love it. I haven't listened to her episode. I need to listen to it. Yeah, she's awesome to work with. And um, yeah, that was a big deal to do that. And then also in that context, I spoke about it on something else, just the power of this. Like, this is a Google Doodle of a Black woman who herself definitely has not gotten enough shine, Tony Stone who is the first woman to play in the Negro Leagues, which is like a big deal. <laughs> and she was the I have not of- heard that story ever. What? Yeah, exactly. And that's how a lot of people feel. And it's, it's <laughs> not because she's not an impactful person. It's just how history plays out and the retelling of history plays out sometimes, you know? But I'm really glad she's getting her due now and her shine. She's amazing. And just that context of that being the person and working with, Angelica, who's amazing, and me being a black woman, also it was just I loved everything about it. But um, powerful experience for real, yeah, it was honestly, yeah. yeah but working tech space, also working commercially, I'm thinking about what I can say about this project that I'm working on, if I can say anything. <laughs> but it's um, I don't know how much I can say. Yeah, it's under NDA, but it's, that, that's okay. It's you don't you don't have okay. to you don't have to tell but us. A lot we'll, of we'll wait for it. And it's, It's children's content, which is actually, for me, there's a children's book that I've been that's in my mind and on the paper in a lot of senses made. Um, So I'm really like drawn the children's content personally. So this thing that I'm working on is really cool and really fun. And it's like funky. It's kids content, but it's like weird and funky and black and just going to be on a huge platform. So tons of black kids are going to see it and tons of everybody's going to see it. Oh my gosh. This is part of why you're glowing so much, right? <laughs> right. Maybe. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing the things that, that are going to have an impact that you enjoy, right? It's also challenging you as well. I was going to ask you about this. What is it like to just switch into different contexts like that, right? Because mm. I imagine doing tech... I think I saw that you've spoken about like VR, obviously publications and print, children's books. Yeah, working books. in editorial and then Yeah, what, what's it space. like kind of switching context for that? Yeah, you know, I think it's just like how my brain works, honestly. I like to do a lot of things. And I like, I think that's also why I pivoted from when I started school and wanted to go like work at Pixar. There's something about that that is very like, you go to that job and you're a character modeler. And that's all that you do. And that's no shade of that. That's like a really hard job. And that's all you should be focused on. <laughs> you shouldn't have the character model. They're also animating. Also, like, that's why they, those films are as beautiful as they do. Speaking to me as a person, I, I like to, like, be doing different things and challenging myself in that way. I just picked up clay. I'm starting to throw on a wheel, you know? Like, I just like to do a bunch of stuff. So I think it just speaks to how... My brain works, honestly. And and even though they're different industries, there's still a lot of crossover in what I'm doing. At the end of the day, I'm drawing pictures for everybody. <laughs> Sometimes the pictures are animated. <laughs> Sometimes they're static. Sometimes they're printed. Sometimes they're on TV. But the essence of what I'm doing is the same. So I think that helps me kind of not feel too stretched thin or like not growing in a sense because I'm split in so many different places. Amazing. Well, look, I want to wrap up with the show. I, do you have any sort of advice or knowledge that you want to drop to the listeners before we wrap up? Yeah. If you're starting out and doing something like this or just working in the industry in general, I think having 
Yeah, it's good to have like a goal in mind and say, I want to do this thing. I want to work at this place. But I think what's helped me is being flexible and kind of being open to discovery and trying new things and experiences. And that, I think, has informed me on what I don't like to do, but also what I like to do, you know, in a way that if I were so singularly focused, I wouldn't have had that understanding. So try different stuff out and be open to it. And yeah, focus in, but don't be so keen on doing that so early on. Kind of be open to experiences. Right. And pick up those drawing books. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How to draw faces, whatever this is called. Drawing cartoons, if this is still in circulation. The people who are listening are not going to be able to see this, but we share a few of the same books on the bookshelf. I know you can't. You got Bill Trailer? Uh, not the build trailer, but I see the Ta-Nehisi Coates. I, I see love it. The the W. B. Du Bois. Uh, I love it. I have that right there. So I'm into it. You got good yeah. taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got some good taste. I'm I'm drinking my coffee. You got your plant in the background. But no, thank you so much, Monique. How can folks get in touch with you? How can they connect with you? Where can they see your work? Where are you at on the internet and in real yeah, life? If I possible? I need to be better at Instagram, but I am on Instagram. <laughs> I'm there at, um, at made.by.small. And also just like email me. I'm actually, I respond to those when people write me. It may take me a little minute, but I absolutely respond to those. And my email's on my website, which is madebysmall.tv. But yeah, I'm, I'm super you know, open when, when people reach out. So don't hesitate. You know, especially, you know, coming up in this industry, not be easy for women, women of color. So if you connect with me in any way and want to reach out, don't hesitate. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And as always, keep doing the amazing things that you're doing and excited to, to see what's coming down the pipeline. I can already, I already know it's going to be amazing. I can tell. <laughs> I appreciate like, Don't put that pressure on me like, <laughs> You got this look on your face. Yeah. Thank you so much. 